On November 8th, join the ACB Scholarship Committee for an event at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, and 3 p.m. Hawaii Time. The ACB Scholarship Program application period is now open. The application period will be open from November 1st, 2021 through February 14th, 2022. To find out more, tune in to ACB Media 6 or join the Zoom room. For more information about the ACB scholarships, visit www.acb.org scholarships. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello everyone, and welcome to Herbie's Cooking Corner. Today, we are going to make spicy roasted chicken. If you would like to follow along, you are going to need the following. A fourth cup breadcrumbs. One teaspoon paprika. One teaspoon ground cumin. One teaspoon curry powder. One teaspoon chili powder. One teaspoon salt. A quarter teaspoon pepper. Eight chicken thighs, the type with the bone in and the skin on. How do we make this recipe? Let's tune in and find out, shall we? Oh, and be sure to stay tuned to the end of the podcast as I include an extra segment that was not able to be done on the Zoom call. My name is Herbie Allen, and today we are going to be making a spicy roasted chicken. And this is a pretty scrumptious recipe. It's actually not too spicy. It just has a little bit of kick. Unless you go overboard with the seasonings, then uh, maybe that might that would change things a little bit. But it's a pretty simple recipe. We're just going to uh, mix some seasonings together and uh, breadcrumbs and roll the chicken in it and bake it. And then also I'll be making tater tots and green beans today as well. So we're going to have us a pretty full hour. First of all, thank you to ACB Media 5 for streaming this event today. This is the first Herbie's Cooking Corner that has ever been streamed. So really proud of that and uh, this is a historic Tuesday too because we've got 16 ACB events. We got a busy day today and I also want to thank my wonderful host Sandra who is uh, helping out today. With that let's get this uh, show started. So like I said we're making a spicy roasted chicken and I have been at a slight disadvantage today as one of the things it calls for is a tablespoon of this and a tablespoon of that and I cannot actually I'm sorry a teaspoon of this teaspoon of that and I cannot find my actual teaspoon so um that I use for measuring. So I'm a little miffed about that but uh, we will kind of guesstimate and it'll still turn out good. Okay, what we are going to need, aside from the uh, chicken, is breadcrumbs, chili powder, curry powder, paprika, salt, pepper, and cumin as well to make this a really good uh, flavored chicken. And I want to first talk about the type of chicken that we use for this recipe. It really calls for the chicken thighs with the bone in and the skin on because that really absorbs the flavor. So that is what I will be using today. You can definitely try this with a uh, boneless chicken if you want, but I don't know how well it will taste. First thing we've got to do is get the dry ingredients mixed and put them in a bowl. So I've got my jar of breadcrumbs here. You can hear me rattling them. And for those of you, I've talked about this before, but if uh, you're new to the call, 
You can easily identify the breadcrumbs by the type of jar that they are in. It is a very tall plastic jar with a plastic lid that you just remove. And we're going to do that. Um, this breadcrumb jar has already been opened, so I don't have to take any plastic film off. And it calls for a fourth cup of these. So I've got a measuring cup here that I'm going to pour the breadcrumbs into. And I'm just holding the cup and the jar over the bowl so that way excess um, will go into the bowl. Okay, that's pretty level. And I'm going to dump that in there. Oops, I got a glass falling down. That should be enough breadcrumbs, but I will leave this jar available should I feel I need more. Okay, next, spices. Let's talk about these. This can be a very tricky thing. Some spices do feel differently than others in terms of the bottles they are in. I did actually cheat. When my mom was here last, I actually had her help me la braille label a lot of these that I currently have because I was always getting stuff mixed up and whatnot. So uh, first of all, we're gonna do with the chili powder. It doesn't matter which order we do things in. So this calls for one teaspoon chili powder, one teaspoon cumin, one teaspoon curry powder, one teaspoon paprika, one teaspoon salt, and a quarter teaspoon pepper. And very easy to identify, but sometimes there can be other bottles that look similar to it, like I've had garlic powder come in a similar type bottle. So I'm going to, again, pour over the bowl and the fine powder here. We're just Letting it come to the spoon. Okay, I've got to be careful not to overdo it because I don't actually have a teaspoon. But the advantage with an extra spoon, a larger spoon, is you won't have as much uh, things falling out. So I guess there is a kind of a trade-off there. Next is the curry powder. I've actually seen this come in two different containers. This one that I have in my hand is a small squat bottle, like one of those really tiny ones. But um, sometimes the easiest way to identify these can be with a sense of smell, or otherwise using a barcode scanner, because uh, several spices can come in these types of bottles, including nutmeg. And now we're going to do the same thing, take the lid off, and just kind of pour into the thing. Okay, this stuff wants to be difficult in coming out, but there we go. And now we're going to pour that into the bowl. Ooh, spicy! Has a curry powder, has a you know, strong odor to it, as uh, you might imagine. Next, I have my paprika. Actually, I'm not sure if it's paprika or my uh, other spice, because... Oh, nope. Okay, they come in the same type of bottle, the cumin. I've also seen this come in both the round bottle that's a little bit thinner than the chili powder, but I've also seen it come in a one of those square containers as well. That can be easy to identify, but I've also seen curry come in those square containers as well, so it can be easily mixed up. So like I said, sometimes having some help pre-labeling these or just using a barcode scanner app or the real thing can be really major benefit. So, you know, you can kind of feel like this feels more like a spice, not so much like a powder, the cumin here. So again, I'm just going to pour into my little spoon or big spoon, whatever size it is. There we go. Pour into the bowl and put that lid back on. Another thing you could always do is if you have like a spice rack and if you keep it organized, That'd be one way of knowing where things are. Just getting them identified, finding them for the first time, putting them in a spice rack, 
and whatnot. Okay, paprika. This is one of my favorites because I don't think you can overdo this spice. This is a new bottle. I thought I had an older one. So this one, I'm going to have to take the paper off. Sometimes with these spices, you have like the protective paper on for the first time. Okay, so we're going to pour this. This is, you know... Bit tricky stuff to pour. Spices can be a little bit interesting to pour. They were really meant to be sprinkled more or, you know, I guess you could try to scoop it out with a spoon, but I prefer to pour. Next is our salt. Salt is one of those things you really have to be careful with because you can make something too salty and it becomes inedible real quick. So I'm going to... I've got one of these uh, actual salt shaker things that have like the, it's a round container. Uh, one side, it's the lid, it has the little holes. And if you move it around, you get these two little half circles that open out and you get a little like wider opening for pouring. So I'm just going to very carefully do a little bit of salt. And no salt can also affect the flavor of a recipe too. Okay. I was very careful not to overdo that. All right, pepper. This only calls for a small amount of pepper anyway, so we're just gonna use our grinder that I have here and just kind of grind, grind, grind. It is a circular, a square container, I'm sorry, that has a uh, circular lid at the uh, top and you just turn it and pepper comes out. There, I think it's working. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to tell, especially when it's near the bottom. All right, before we get the chicken out, I should mention that we preheat our oven to 400 degrees. Next, we are going to get the pan ready. So it really calls for a 10 by 15 baking pan. I'm just going to use a 13 by 9 baking pan, and that way it ensures that I have enough room for all the chicken. And in the event that I'm, I don't, I do have a spare 13 by 9 that we can make use of if I need to. Now what I'm gonna do here is actually line the pan with foil and that way when it comes time for cleanup we might have a little bit of an easier time with the pan itself because it won't be as dirty the stuff will stick to the foil which we can toss out instead of the actual pan. So I've just got the uh, standard foil here. I'm going to place it to the side of the pan and we're going to Pull out. We'll have a little bit of excess foil here. That's fine. And I'm just going to press down on the foil where it meets the side of the box. Or just kind of push the box away from me and that'll cut the foil with the serrated edges. And there we go. I am going to use a little bit of cooking spray. It does help uh, overall, I find. So we're going to use Pam, the cooking spray Pam not the pans that uh, we have on the calls. Okay, so I just a little bit of spring. This is a brand new bottle, and I don't really want to use too much of the stuff, but there you go. Okay, next, let's get out the chicken. So I've got, for this recipe, what I use is the family pack of chicken thighs, and then this way it ensures we actually have leftovers. Chicken thighs are pretty easy to identify, especially the ones with the bone in them. It's a very large pack that is going to be larger than most of your other meats, and since it has the bone and whatnot, it's not going to be as flat. 
You do want to have this uh, defrosted, of course. I just got this pack the other day, so we had no issues there. Okay, I've got something blocking my cupboard that is in the way. There we go. Okay, and we're going to just kind of use my fingers to peel back the plastic of these thighs. And they always come in the pack skin side up. So if you're unsure, but you can kind of tell like the skin, you can kind of feel the skin even though it's raw and then like the bone is more in the bottom in the center. So I'm going to take the chicken now and I'm going to just kind of gently roll it in the mixture. I want to make sure the mixture gets on all both sides. Use my fingers to feel around to make sure it's you know, covering all parts of the chicken. Raw chicken thighs are not that slimy. I think it's actually a lot more gross to work with the ground beef, if I had to be honest, but, um, or some of the boneless chicken. But then too, I've also been cooking for 20 years, so I'm used to working with this stuff. And, okay, we've got up to four pieces of chicken. Do we have any questions or comments so far? Not at the moment. Okay, one of the annoying things about foil is sometimes it can really slide down a little bit. So just trying to fix that. Okay, so we do, we'll have a little bit of leftover mixture here after our eighth chicken thigh. So, all right, I'm going to get that in the oven. Here, now that they're all in the pan, just kind of spread them out so they have a little bit of uh, breathing room. Okay, we're going to throw this package away. And we're going to dump the mixture that I don't need anymore out into the garbage. Place the bowl in the sink, and then I'm going to wash my hands before I touch the sides of the pan and place it in the oven. Maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't, but why... Uh, spread germs unnecessarily. That's kind of the way I see it, so. Okay, I'm going to open the oven. And I was asked, you know, the other week, like, do I like to do anything special, like take the rack out or stand to the side or anything like that? I prefer to face the oven head on. So I'm now holding the pan into the oven and I'm just bending down and I know where my rack is and I'm pushing the pan in there. And now we're going to close it. If you do not want to face the heat directly as you bend down, you can kind of tilt your head up a little bit and that will minimize it. But that is how I do things. Set the timer for 20 minutes. 20 minutes, counting down. Okay, so what this recipe calls for is for us to cook it for 20 minutes and then we are going to flip the chicken this one yep actually does call for the chicken to be flipped and cook it for another 20 minutes and we will be done and if we have time we will hear from our resident taste tester chanel who will actually tell us if it's good or not um like i said we're also gonna make uh, tater tots and green beans i was originally gonna make garlic mashed potatoes but my kitchen was just not uh, organized well enough for that but i will talk about how i would make them in a couple minutes but first i want to see if we actually do now have any questions any comments anything anybody wants to share this is definitely your time now to chat a little bit tony has Raise your hand. So I'm just going to fire up that. All right. So this I is had Tony. Cool. Yep. Tony, go ahead. 
I just got a question. Um, if you didn't use the cooking spray and you put it on the aluminum foil, would it still stick? I'm not completely sure. I it might, but then on the other hand, the you know the aluminum foil is not supposed to keep things from sticking. And then of course, you know the chicken is gonna generate some juice as well. So I would think that would help it not stick. And I'm you know I just like to be a little bit overcautious myself. Um, I will mention though, if you do not have any cooking spray. One alternative you could use is just spread a little bit of butter or margarine on the bottom of a pan, and that also works to... Okay, thank um, you. Thank you, Herbie. You're welcome. You know, like I said, the foil is supposed to be nonstick, but I, I just like to be a little bit overcautious, so... Okay, Vicky has her hand raised. Vicky, hello. Hi. Um, I have to totally agree with you about uh, labeling spices. I'm a Braille reader. And so um, I use some Braille labels, but I can't tell you if there's been times when I haven't labeled it and then things get moved around on the spice rack and then you have to get out the scanner or iPhone yep. app, which is no problem. But yeah, I would say if people could come up with a labeling system for your spices, it makes a big difference. And sometimes yep. also what I've done, some of the little the spice um, little jars are almost so small, a spoon might not fit in it, you know, so I've just sprinkled some in my hand over the bowl. You know what I mean? Yep. I, that, do I mean, I've, yep. Yeah, I guess yes. you could put them in a bigger jar, but I just leave them in the one they're in. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, guys, I just want to mention something. You know, I do love technology, but there are some times when simpler is better. And so I, you know, yes, I love, I know how to use barcode scanners. Um, the real physical ones, the phone can make me cry a little bit, but, um, it's so tricky to aim the camera with round bottles and whatnot. Right. But when I can just read a braille label right then and there without having to pull out any extra equipment, it does save a lot of time and makes things a lot easier. So it's nothing against technology, but just having that braille label there is so much easier no matter what it is, really, but especially in the kitchen, you know, you just read and so, you know, it only took me like two minutes to get the spices organized. Like I did have the spices organized ahead of time for this call, but it only took me like a minute just to read each label, see that that was what I needed or not needed and move on. So, you know, I guess for people that read large print or whatever, I'm sure you guys can do your labeling system too. I'm sure those spice bottles are probably not easy to read. That could really depend on your vision though. I don't know. You currently have four more hands. All right. Excellent. So who do we have next? You have Chanel is up next. Chanel. Oh yeah. I just raised my hand when no one had their hand up just to say hi and I'm enjoying the fresh air and looking forward to the breakfast that I'll be taste testing. So thank you. Now, Chanel, could you tell us about the motorcycle that you are riding? I'd love to. I, it's fast. I'm cruising around along the street and I'm reading Braille. Imagine how can I do both? Oh, there it went. No, sorry. Uh, yeah, anyway. All right. Reading Braille while riding a motorcycle. I love it. And, you know, all this while being blind. So, and Chanel, you know, unfortunately, you know, like Chanel would be at a disadvantage Stop if I can now. just. Uh, stop now. Okay. I think it was actually, you know, hearing it in real time, I think it was a lawnmower, not a motorcycle, but... Um... No, it's parked out here, so who knows? Anyway. Okay. Lisa's up next. Lisa, okay. yes. Okay. Well, before we get to Lisa, I just wanted to mention one real thing that one 
think it can make some tricky things tricky for some people is if you do not have a sense of smell, identifying spices that way could be a bit of a challenge. Okay, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my question is, I'm not too keen on dark meat. Can I do that with breast meat? And I know breast meat tends to dry out a little bit more. What can I do so it wouldn't dry out? That is a great question, and this is one I definitely might defer to the audience for as well. Um, you know, the recipe I have definitely calls for thighs. I One thing maybe that might work is almost basting the chicken breast a little bit, like putting a little bit of butter under the skin. Mm -hmm. um, that might work in keeping it from drying out. Or maybe using, like, I have an indoor grill slash air fryer combination, and so using that to cook the chicken instead of the oven might also help keep it a little bit more tender if you have something like that. Not the Foreman grill. This is, like, um, I have an air fryer slash oven that has, like the it has a grill plate inside the oven, and so I can place chicken on it, and it can turn out really tender, so cooking it in different way but this is one I mean, or maybe using something like a little bit of olive oil might also keep it moist um i like the idea is, of the oven i'm trying to talk my husband into buying the oven with the air fryer in it so that would be a good argument thank you it would be <laughs> and if any of the audience uh, members have any suggestions on this feel free to raise your hands and weigh in how would you do this recipe with chicken breasts and keep them moist and tender. We, I'd love to hear any thoughts you, anybody Herbie. has Thank on this. You, you are so welcome. Okay, Carrie's next. Hello, Carrie. Hi. Hey, uh, okay, so one idea with the, with the chicken breast, if I was gonna use like uh, boneless, skinless chicken breast, I might marinate it in something to add liquid before you even did the recipe. Um, I don't know what I would marinate it in necessarily, you know, I'd probably find something creative. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, what I wanted to, to, to mention is there is a definite quality difference in the chicken you buy in the store. Um, and over the years, I, I used to buy the cheapy stuff because, hey, it's more affordable, but I'd find myself having to do a lot of cleanup of the chicken before I ever used it, which you know, it's, it's totally doable, but it's just a lot of extra work. And so, you know, sometimes really looking at the different quality of chicken thighs you can buy um, is a good idea. And I, I've always, when I was being raised, I always learned to rinse the chicken before I used it. So I, I wouldn't take it out of the package and just use it. I'd rinse it in um, cold water first and, you know, kind of check it over because sometimes you got little pieces of fat or um, even if you're using like boneless, skinless chicken, sometimes you find, you know, stuff, they don't always clean it up the best. So just some things to, for people to be, be concerned about. And I, I'm going to try this in my air fryer instead of in the oven. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention with the chicken breast is you might want to adjust the time um, because sometimes, especially if it's boneless, skinless, something, it'll take less time and that causes it to dry out if you overcook the breast meat. Right. I might try the actual bone and skin, you know, the chicken breast with the bone and the skin, just so that way, you know, you at least have something to help absorb the flavor. But, you know, I don't know. I wonder if you could use like a marinade of like olive oil and some oregano, maybe, you know, add a little oh, bit of yeah. extra spice. That might um, be good. I'll, I'll right. say uh, the other thing I've started doing is deboning the, the bone, 
the bone in skin on chicken thighs because the boneless skinless chicken thighs I've never liked because there's less flavor. Right. Um, and I have a very picky eater in my household. So does not like bone in chicken. Um, so you can still maintain a lot of the flavor by keeping yes. the skin on. So that that's helpful too. So you bring up a couple of interesting points. So first of all, um, and if anybody knows any more about this, definitely. Um, the quality of the chicken size, that can also depend on the store you get them from too. Like in this case, I got just the value pack from Walmart, but you know, like stores in around here, like HEB can definitely have some more higher quality product. And for me, at least it doesn't matter whether I'm shopping online or shopping in person, you know, I'm still relying on somebody else's eye to tell me the quality of what I'm buying. So I find me personally that there's no advantage. Well, in fact, if anything, the advantage is more online because I know what I'm selecting ahead of time. So no matter what sort is, especially Walmart though, tends to be the most accurate with whenever you pick out products. That's been my experience. I know it can be, it can be lower quality, but more affordable and higher shop. I prefer the shopping experience compared to Instacart. That's just me personally. And you know, chicken, you know, uh, Herbie, the other thing is if you watch the brand of the chicken, like yes. most of the time I'm in Oregon, I buy foster farms a lot of the time because I just like the quality, you know, the right. flavor of it better. So that's just another thing, you know, sometimes, yeah, you get really good deals. Like I have chicken thighs right now in my fridge or 67 cents a pound at Safeway. <laughs> right. So like these are the Tyson brand that I have Tyson, you know, the decent brand. I don't know if we get, we get frozen foster farms foods here. Um, but I don't know if we get fresh foster farms chicken. That's going to depend on your region. Um, just a couple other quick things because I know we got some other hands. Rinsing the chicken. I've heard that's not a good idea because it can spread bacteria. Um, what I've heard is a lot better is if you're going to do anything with the chicken ahead of time is to pat it dry with paper towels. So I've heard that that is a much safer way of cleaning your, your chicken. So um, because, but what happens is, you know, those, uh, when you rinse the chicken, those bacteria germs get into your sink. So I would say if you're going to use that method at all, then definitely sanitize your sink right afterwards with some heavy duty stuff like Clorox or even dish soap should be good enough maybe, but that's what I've heard is why you should not. And the water can spray the bacteria around too. So that's why I've heard it's not a good idea to at least run it under the sink. For me, I find the extra fat and stuff can actually help with the, the flavor a little bit. But, um, and what I do with deboning the chicken, so, you know, I know what you mean about picky eaters and uh, whatnot. And what I do is I usually just cook the chicken as is, and then I'll cut it up afterwards when it's cooked. And I find that a little bit easier than trying to do it while it's still raw. So you've cooked it the way it should be cooked ahead of time. And then you just cut it up and then you throw away the bone. Everybody's happy. And there you go. Okay. Do we have any other raised hands? Um, you don't. And I think you've, you've got single digit left of your timer. Your, your 20 minutes. You've got about three minutes of that left, I think. All right. Thank you very much. I do indeed. And folks, this has been... Wonderful. All right, so I'm going to get the tater tots ready so we can put them in the oven. And I'm also going to get my spatula ready so we can flip the chicken. Let's get out the spatula. There we go. I like to use a double spatula. And they work kind of like tongs, but what's really nice is it grips the chicken. And 
or whatever it is you're flipping. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Okay, tater tot. Let's get you out the freezer. And um, originally I was gonna make garlic mashed potatoes. I'll do that another time. Basically what I would do is, I like to use my salad shooter, but you can also cut the potatoes. You don't need to have them cut too much, just you know, in chunks, so that way they can soften in the water and you boil them for about 20 minutes. Um, you just have to be careful with the lid because steam, the, the, it can generate a lot of steam. And then I you will have to pour the um, hot water through a strainer and that will, then I put you, what I will do is I'll put the potatoes back in the original pot and then use a masher to mash them and then I add in like uh, butter. Oh, and I put in the garlic with the potatoes as well, so like actual real um, garlic cloves. But you can also, I guess, do the um, uh, minced stuff if you prefer. Okay, so we're getting the pan ready for the tater tots. And now I'm going to, um, here actually, let's wash up again because I do uh, try not to uh, spread germs. Okay, we're going to dry and we're just going to pour a good helping of tater tots into the pan. Again, I have it lined with foil and then it will cook for 20 minutes along with the chicken when we put it back in the oven. Okay, guys, um, except I goofed up. I took out the chicken nuggets, not the tater tots. Uh, anybody want chicken with their chicken? Okay, well, good thing I noticed this before they actually came out of the bag. But the bags are very similar, and I should have uh, really felt the bag more because the stuff, you know, chicken nuggets are flat. All right. So, let's try this again. Thank you, watch. You can stop. Thank you. There are my tater tots. Okay. There we go. Okay. So first of all, let's get the tater tots into the pan, and then we are going to take out our chicken and flip it. It cooks for an extra minute or two, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, you don't want to over overcook chicken, but you don't want it undercooked either, so. Okay. These things want to be picky about coming out. Okay, there we line the pan well with these. And all right. So next I'm going to use an oven mitt to take out the chicken. Um, somebody made an interesting suggestion the other day. If you want to have fingers, um, there are these things you can get called fire gloves. And I guess they're actual gloves instead of mitts. I don't know. I'm I'm so used to working with oven mitts. I don't know how I'd feel about having fingers, but uh, okay, I really should have actually used both hands with this because the pan is a bit top heavy. But <clears throat> what I'm going to do now, and th this is kind of delicate work, because um, I want to be careful not to actually touch the hot pan, but I'm going to use my oven mitt as a guide with one hand, and we're just going to find the chicken 
and flip. And this is not an easy thing to do, and this is not going to be as easy as I thought it would be, even though I've had practice. Okay, there we go. There's one side. There's chicken number two. And you can kind of feel a difference between the flipped pieces and the non-flipped pieces if you're willing to use your uh, hands. Okay. But it's almost easier to use your hands to flip this stuff. Okay. There's that. All right. Next. You know, it might almost be easier. Another technique I could have used is taken the chicken out of the pan, flipped it, and put it back in, though you do run the risk of really creating a bigger mess that way. Okay. I'm going to flip that. Okay. So flipping is one of those tasks that can be challenging as a blind person, I find, um, because it does require some precise coordination, even with a double spatula. And sometimes I must admit, I find it easier to kind of like, you know, with washed hands, use one hand as a guide, find the thing that I want to flip with the other hand, use the spatula then to grab it. Rotate the wrist, and we have a flip. Do the same thing, and <clears throat> there we go. That was not a good flip. Okay, but you know, somebody. I was telling somebody the other day. You know, this is why I don't really like to make pancakes because it can require a very precise um, way of flipping. Okay, there's that piece. And we got one more. There we go. Um, now, if you're not in a rush, you could always let this, try, I guess, kind of cool down a little bit before flipping it. But I'm going to try to do as much as we possibly can for this cooking corner. All right. Now that that's done, I'm going to wash up again because I'm going to put the oven mitt back on. And we're going to put our pan back in the oven. Actually, I'm going to use two oven mitts because the pan is top heavy. It is glass. I do not want to lose our dinner or breakfast, whatever it is, brunch. Anyway, so now I mentioned that I'd be doing tater tots as well. So this affects how I'm going to put the pan back in the oven because I'm going to, instead of putting it um, straight in, you know, facing long ways, I'm going to turn the pan to the side. So it goes in vertical, and I'm going to put it to the right side of the oven. And now I'm going to take my tater tot pan, in this case I just used a simple 9 by 9 and I'm going to place it on the left side. And now I have room for both pans on the same rack, and we don't have to have a recipe for disaster. And I'm going to close that, set timer for 20 minutes. And there you go. And now it'll do its remaining cooking. 
Um, Hope did have the hand raised, and now uh, Hope's hand is lowered. Uh, it was it was raised during the oven flipping and stuff, so it's like I'm not saying anything during the burning thing. Okay, um, Hope, did do you have a question for us, real quick? No. Well, hopefully, um, um, you. Oh, is, okay. Is now I raised. can speak now. All right. Yes. Um. So, I did have a question actually. Yep. So, I live in an apartment complex, and uh, I live in an apartment, which means I don't have a gas stove. And when I first started cooking, I used a gas stove. And mm -hmm. uh, now that I have an electric stove, I'm really nervous to, like, kind of cook things again. So, I was just wondering, like, your tips on kind of not being afraid of it and kind of going in for it and trying to cook with it. Excellent. You know, most people would actually have the opposite experience. We're used to cooking with electric and then go to from that to cooking with gas. And that was certainly my experience for a while before going back to electric. Um, electric is actually easier in the sense that you don't have to worry about flames and stuff like that. Um, what you need to remember is for stovetop cooking, it's going to take, you know, the burners are going to take longer to heat up than a gas stove will, and the size of the burner can matter. So use a small pot. Uh, if it's a small burner, use a small pot. For a larger size burner, use a larger size pot or pan. Um, also, again, just be more precise with your temperatures with the oven. Um, and give it time, again, the key is give it time to heat up. So um, it's going to, you know, like at least take 15 minutes. So when doing a recipe, I really like to make sure I get the oven heated up first. If you are uncomfortable with having the heated oven, what you can do is put the thing and put your food in the oven and then turn it on. And when you set your timer, include the extra preheating time. So that's how you can always work around that. Um, oh, okay. If you are. The main thing is with, uh, I'm not really, I'm mainly afraid because of the extra time it takes to turn on, but I'm also nervous about how much time it takes to turn off because gas just turns off right away, but electric doesn't. So I'm worried you know, that if that... I like, you know, were to get something off of the burner or whatever, I could burn myself and i have obviously you know cooking stuff like cooking the, the gloves that you mentioned i actually do have those that I, I find them easier to use than oven mitts personally um so i wonder if i should do a cooking corner completely devoted to kitchen safety and appliances and just have a general chat um so i think we could do we'll do that I at some that point would help me a lot <laughs> i think it would help me a lot all right. Well, um, uh, we'll get somebody on here who's an expert in kitchen safety. That isn't me. No, just kidding. Um, so what you bring up is a very good point, actually. Yes. Yeah, so what I will do is um, we're going to actually talk about this now because I'm going to, as soon as I can find what I want, where did the can opener go? Um... Barbie's okay. hand is up as well. Okay, Barbie, um, go ahead. And and well, I I was just gonna ask about that pouring out the liquid from your pans because 
I have these these passing pans, even the, like the saucepans or the round pans that you put on the stove. But they yep. have the the colander in the top, and the top connects to the pan, and the handles on the pan has that thick, non-hot rubber on it. So all you have to do is pick it up by both handles and turn it over, and the liquid will come out, and you don't even have to take the top off. I was wondering, have you seen or heard about those before? I have not, I've but never, I was... I've never heard of those at all. I didn't even know those poor thing, I, honestly. All right, guys, so please make sure if you're going to speak to raise your hand and wait to be acknowledged. Um, um, I've never heard about these things either. I think I've heard some mentioning of similar type pans for, like, separating egg yolks and stuff. I must admit, that definitely sounds like it would be a great pan to have. And unfortunately, I'm rattling around here because I do not know where my can opener decided to go off to. I think kitchen appliances develop legs or something. And that is a little bit of a problem. Um, but that pan definitely sounds like it would be cool. Do you by any chance, uh, bar oh, there's my can opener. I know what it's called. All right, well, I'd love to find out more about that particular pan. Todd's hand is raised. Okay, Todd. Um, hey, um, I got a, a question for you, if you don't mind my asking. Nope, um, go right ahead. When, when you set the oven, uh, do, uh, does the oven talk to you, or how do you set it? Uh, great question. No, nope, my oven does not talk to me. None of my kitchen appliances do. I was do, wondering and that myself. All right. Uh, remember, guys, uh, you do need. Please remain muted unless you're actually called upon. Um, and so I, my oven has dials on it. It's an old-fashioned oven, so I know the position of the dial and how to set it. So straight up is like 375, and so tilted to the right is 400, which is what we have for this recipe. Same with the stove burners. Um, you can get Alexa ovens, of course, um, you know, as an extra appliance if you want something that talks to you. Me, personally, I'd probably be talking back to it. Um, I'm just not a fan of smart tech myself. If you have digital ovens... Yeah, again, uh, I'll go into a rant about smart tech. Um, some of the older digital ovens, which had buttons, have at least presets that you could use. And even if you can't adjust it, let's say you can only do 350, then you can add an extra time for that 350 when cooking a recipe that requires 400. Um, if you have a smart flat oven with the, that, that you just however you use those things. Um, I guess I, I don't, what I would do is if you are a braille reader is I would have somebody label like the various spots, you know, with like off and a temperature marking. That's what I would do. You could rely on Ira or be my eyes every time, but that's seems like that would get a bit cumbersome. Um, but I, like I said, I'm I'm old-fashioned when it comes to a lot of these kitchen appliances, and so I'm glad that our apartment complex uses the older ovens with the dials. Thank All you. right. You're welcome. So um, I'm going Ju to... Julie's hand is up. Julie, yes. 
Okay, so just uh, the pan that she was describing earlier, it's called a lock lid pan. And lock lid it's pan. got the uh, holes in the top like you would a colander. So you basically match the lid to the lock with the pan. And then if you have like, say, water you're trying to pour off of pasta or something, once the lid's locked into place, you just pour the water out from the top and have the pasta stay in your pan. But they're called lock lid pans. Um, a lot of the adaptive like independent living aids, maxi aids, um, some of those places will sell them and need a three or six quart. All right. Um, now, do we have any other raised hands? I'm sorry. Currently. Nope. All right. Well, um, thank and you've you. got seven minutes left. All right. So that's going to be enough time to get the green beans started, guys. Um, you know, if people are interested, um, I will do a cooking corner devoted to where we can really talk about what kitchen appliances we use. And, you know, you can definitely ask questions of what I use by all means. Um, so maybe we'll do a Herbie's Corning lecture one more. So, um, all right. I've now, so I've got a can of green beans. I forgot to open the can. Oops. Okay. Um, so what I like to do is add in a little bit of butter. So I ended up cutting that off first. Now I'm going to use the can opener. So the question was asked, how do you deal with the electric stove? Um, basically what happens is when the pan cools off, when I turn the stove off, I might just lift the pan off the burner right away. Um, or I will kind of move it to the side and let it cool off while the burner is cooling down. If I'm really concerned about heat rising up, I might just leave the pan on the stove and wait a few minutes. Um, but yeah, you do have to wait for the burner to cool down. Same with the electric oven. It takes a while to cool down and sometimes I don't realize I've left the oven on and because it takes a while to cool down and so I don't think about it at first. But um, definitely have to. So just, you know, I think if you're going to go from gas to electric or electric to gas, just to remember that with the transition, electric requires more time, gas requires less time. And that's one of the biggest things you have to be mindful of with the uh, transition from um, electric to gas or vice versa. Um, dial positions. Again, this is why I like the dial on my stove. So I've just turned my dial to the immediate right and that puts it on high. If I turned it to the medium left, um, I would put it on low. I'm now going to turn on the kitchen fan because that really helps around here. Um, so that's what you're hearing in the background. And then if I move the dial, you know, more to the left, then if it's in the low position, you know, it's going to keep getting higher and higher, straight up and down as medium and, you know, tilt it to the, and you tilt it one way, it's medium high, the other way, medium low, or it so just depends on which way I have the dial facing. And if I turned it to the right, then I'm going to, you know, move it towards the right if I wanted to get lower. So. Um, you know, it's just a matter of which direction you want to go from. Oven, you can only go one way or the other, but um, the story about the electric stove reminds me of an incident that happened to me a long time ago. Um, yes, your cooking corner expert here made a very interesting mistake once. Um, uh, so this is back when I was 13. My mom had asked, had this beef dinner 
in the, the oven and uh, she was going out and she told me to turn it off after the timer went off. And I was very new to the oven at that time and I got confused as to which direction was off. And keep in mind, this is back in the late 90s, so there was no IRA, there was no Be My Eyes camera phones. Um, my parents didn't have a cell phone, you know, so I couldn't call anybody and call them and say, which direction is the uh, burner again? So I turned it one way, and but it still seemed like it was on because as we just talked about, the electric stove you know, doesn't really turn off quickly. So I ended up turning it the other way and I was like, okay, well, maybe it is off. Next thing I know, the smoke alarm is going off and the pot is burning. I turned the oven to broil. So then I was like, oh, I guess uh, since uh, things are going wrong here, I must have had it uh, the correct position to begin with. So I flipped it back and uh, uh, when we got home we ended up having McDonald's for dinner because the beef dinner was ruined because the pot was ruined. So that was my first uh, cooking endeavor. Anybody want me to come to their kitchen? The chicken is almost done. We will not have a chance to hear what it's like live, but I will include Chanel's taste test as part of the podcast. So that's an incentive for you a little bit later on to listen to that as it'll be uploaded on ACB Media. My thanks to Deb for streaming. Thanks to Sandra for hosting. Great job. If you've got any questions, you can email me cookingcorner at 986themix.com. That's cookingcorner at 986themix.com. And you can ask further questions, ask for the recipe or whatever you'd like, and I will get back to you. Thank you, everybody. And... We will see you next time. Welcome to the extra for Herbie's Cooking Corner. This is being done live, but uh, not on Zoom. So we've got our green beans cooking here. They've been cooking for several minutes now. And they are just about, I can tell that they are about to be ready to be turned off. So I'm going to turn off the burner. And I'm going to get out my strainer. I am definitely going to have to look into these wood lock pans. As they seem like they might save me some effort. So I've gotten out the strainer. So the heat is still generating from the burner. But I'm kind of used to it. So I'm just going to gently lift the pan and... I'm going to move over to the sink and I'm going to pour into the strainer. And we're just now going to shake the excess water out of the green beans. And I'm going to now get out a plate and them out and we're going to set the strainer to the side. Okay, now how much time do we have left on our timer? Open timer. Alright, the timer is going to go off in 49 seconds and then we will be able to take the chicken out as well as the tater tots and then 
we will find out if they actually turned out good or not. And that'll be according to our uh, taste expert. So while we're doing that, just getting stuff ready, I'm going to fill a glass with water. And there is the timer. Okay, I was able to get that stopped. So now I'm going to turn off the oven. And I'm going to open the door because that'll start to let some of the heat out and make it a little bit more bearable to get to our stuff. Okay, all right, so everything is sizzling nicely the way it should be. I'm going to now use both oven mitts once again because it's a lot easier that way. I don't need it so much for the smaller pan, which I'm going to take out first because that'll give me more room to work with the bigger pan, the smaller pan, of course, being the one containing the tater tots. So now I'm just kind of rotating the pan inside here, the oven, and I'm going to use both oven mitts and take it out and just place it on top of the stove for now because it can handle the heat from the pans. So I'm going to put the oven mitts back on the, in the they belong but i'm going to need them out again in a little bit for the tater tots and i'm going to you take out a knife and fork we were talking about deboning the chicken earlier i find a knife with really good sharp edges helps so i don't recommend like you know a butter knife or anything like that i'm going to use the fork to grab a piece of chicken and move it onto the plate And I find it a lot easier to cut it when there's only one piece on at a time. So that's what we are going to do. Okay. Let us see here. Alright, this stuff can be even fun to cut up when it is cooked, but we are getting it. Okay, and it is a little bit hot depending on your uh, comfort level with hot food. It'll depend on how long you want to give this before you actually start cutting it. But if you can at least use the fork to transfer it to the plate before you do anything else, that will definitely help it cool down quicker and you will then be able to chicken let's see here oh i just love the blend of food together trying to pick this up it's very hot mm. yeah it's good all right well there you have it folks i'm gonna go try my own creation now well it's not my follow the recipe but uh, 
anyway, hope you all have enjoyed this presentation and we will see you all next time.